0: Let us pray together as we turn to God's word. Holy God, your word has been read and heard read through all of the ages around the world. And we read and think about these words today. We pray that you will inspire us and direct us to the lessons that we need to uncover in them for our lives in this time. To that end, we offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Reading from Psalm 31, beginning with verse 1. In you, O Lord, I seek refuge. Do not let me ever be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. You are indeed my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that is hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O faithful God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of the enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. Reading also from the Gospel of our Lord, according to John, the 12th chapter, beginning with verse one. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. When the great crowd of the Jews learned that he was there, they came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death as well since it was on his, on account of him that many of the Jews were deserting and were believing in Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled With the fragrance of perfume. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. This is a story most awkward and most awesome. It is the story of a most awkward and awesome act of worship. Let's take a look at the timing of it just a second. It was just after Jesus had raised Mary's brother, Lazarus, from the dead. Now, before Jesus performed that miracle, he was a pretty amazing guy. They liked him a lot. He was a great teacher and all of that sort of stuff. But after he raised Jesus from the dead, my goodness, how that changed their perspective of him and his life. The Lord the Messiah. And even though that was an amazing, amazing act, his followers still didn't quite know how to respond to him. Not a surprise, one would imagine. So that was the timing, just after Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. The context was, nearby Jerusalem, Bethany, and there was tension all around. There was an assassination plot for Jesus, and turns out it was now for Lazarus as well. The plan was in the works. And Jesus was laying low, because he knew that it wasn't his time to face down the opposition that was before him, and the Passover was approaching. So there's the time and there's the context. And in this particular situation, Mary, Martha's sister, Lazarus's sister, Mary of some fame decides to teach the disciples and all of us a lesson about extravagant devotion. So they gather around a table, as they would, and tables were places of welcome and fellowship and as well as feasting. And so you might say that this was a routine family meal with a family friend. But when you think that Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead, how routine could it really be? But there was Lazarus at the table, and they lounged at the table and they, rather than sitting. Lazarus was at the table with all the men, because that's how they did those things in those days. And guess who was serving? It was Martha, the servant. That's right. Martha was doing her job as was expected of her. I imagine she was grumbling, as she had grumbled before, about dear Sister Mary, who never seemed to show up to help out on time. And then, and then, to quote a song from the 60s, and then along comes Mary, in she breezes. Mary, I kind of get the idea, was a unique personality. Maybe you would call her a loose cannon. And here she comes. She barges right in without a serving tray, without a purpose to come into the men's domain, she barges right in without an invitation and into the men's domain. And so they were shocked by that fact to begin with. And then Mary pours out one of the most extravagant acts of worship of all time. She took this exquisite perfume. I don't know what nard smelled like, but Scripture does say it was worth a year's wages. So it wasn't cheap. This exquisite perfume, and she has only one purpose for that perfume, that costly, costly ointment, and that was to worship Jesus with an act of extravagant devotion that was it. That's all she wanted to do in that moment. So Mary comes breezing in, pours out her act of worship, and the men, probably Martha too, sit or recline, stunned. They didn't know what to say because this act was so outlandish from their perspective. And then after they kind of gathered themselves, they tried to shame Mary for her act. I imagine that they were somewhat accustomed to her and her behavior, but this one, this one was really over the top. This was too much. You don't do this kind of a thing in our society. Judas finally breaks the silence and he's worried about the cost. What a waste! What a waste. We could have used all of this money to feed the poor. And John fills us in with the details about that really wasn't his concern. And they probably then all turned to Jesus, expecting Jesus to rebuke Mary. And guess what? He doesn't do it. Again, another time, Mary misbehaving. And Jesus doesn't rebuke her, but rather affirms her. Affirms her for a couple of reasons. One, in ways that she and they, only Jesus at this point understood, that she was going to be a part of a bigger story, which had to do with Jesus' passion. But also it was that simple but extravagant act of devotion that was worth remembering and we're remembering it to this very day. Mary personifies extravagant devotion. When it came right down to the fact that she felt moved to to honor Jesus in this way, her reputation didn't matter. The cost didn't matter. The perfume didn't matter. Even her own self, did not get in the way. She had shown already in the previous story about the importance of sitting at the master's feet rather than serving like her sister. Not that her sister did a bad thing. That was a good thing, too. But Jesus said, Mary has chosen the wiser portion. She had already seen that. She had been receiving and learning and being transformed by the words and messages of Jesus even though the men probably looked down on her with disfavor. Didn't matter. She knew what she had to do. And now, in this moment, she digs deeply into a well of extravagant praise and literally and figuratively pours it out on her master. You could say that her response completes the process of honoring and worshiping the Lord. Usually when we honor or we worship them, someone, we do so because we received something from them. And the act of honor and worship is not necessary in order for us to receive uh, the blessing of, of the Lord in this case, but it completes that act in us. I trust all of those disciples Really, really appreciated and were amazed by Jesus. Jesus. And they were reserved in their response. Maybe, maybe the Presbyterian church goes back longer than we thought, as they were kind of Presbyterian in that way. Mary, not so much. Mary was like the one of the ten lepers who needed to return to complete the cycle of praise and she is effusive in that praise i don't often quote other writers in my sermons not because there aren't a lot of good quotes out there it's just not my particular practice but i was reading through one of cs lewis's writings and i came across this particular uh, passage on this subject about we receive gifts and grace from people and how important our response to that is in the sense of completing uh, the circle of praise. So C.S. Lewis says this, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation to praise God fully, we must suppose ourselves to be in perfect love with God, drowned in, dissolved by that delight which flows out from us incessantly in effortless and perfect expression. Our joy is no more separable from the praise we show than the brightness of a mirror receives, is separable from the brightness it sheds. Isn't that sweet? He had a way of writing those things, didn't he? Mary doesn't just act in this way for her own self, although in that moment that was her key motivation. She also invites us to respond as she did. To respond with ex- extravagance to Jesus' grace in our lives. So I want you to ask a question because I always like to give you some homework. I like to ask you I like you to ask yourself, how is, how is my response to Jesus' grace in my life? Is it lukewarm? Kind of take it or leave it? Is it leftover? Is it the end of all of the other stuff and a little more that we have to give? Or is it like Mary? Is it your best? Is it your most extravagant? Mary Mary calls us at least to consider that kind of response. I have no desire to impose a response on you, only to ask you to think about it. Our particular response to Jesus and God's love for us needs to come out of our own individual deep well of worship. And therefore, I can't tell you how you need to respond. You need to figure it out for yourself. But I do encourage you maybe to consider uncapping your deep supply. Because I know that when I talk to you individually in my office or on the street or wherever, I know that there is a reservoir of devotion in there, and sometimes we always want to put a cap on it. So ask yourself that question with Mary in mind. How extravagant, how extravagant is your devotion to our Savior? I don't generally encourage people to seek shame But in this case, Mary was shamed by the other men who were in that room and probably by her her sister, too. But I would like to share in that shame because Mary was shamed because she loved our Lord Jesus so, so much. If that's a reason for shame, I am happy to share it. Thanks be to God for this teaching from his holy word and from this marvelous example of extravagant Mary. Amen.